Hey, Fellowship Asheville, uh, thank you for joining us for our ConvoCast. And as you know, we are in season three of our ConvoCast. Happy New Year. This is the first one back after after Christmas. Uh, we're in season three, though. We are introducing you to, to people, to to missions, to missionaries, to organizations that we partner with. Uh, and today, uh, we are going to be talking to the Black Mountain Home for Children, specifically Loretta is with us today. And so Loretta, tell us a little bit about who you are and, and what you do and, and uh, introduce yourself to those who are watching and listening. Well, hello, Pastor Fred and Fellowship Asheville. I am Loretta Shelton. I am the Director of Development at Black Mountain Home for Children. I am from this area, from Western North Carolina. I grew up in Madison County and uh, have a wonderful husband who makes me coffee in the morning in Mars Hill now as I get ready to come out to Black Mountain to our campus. Um, two children, two adult children in their late 20s and just very blessed to be part of the ministry at Black Mountain Home. That's great. So you live in Mars Hill and drive all the way to Black Mountain. That's a haul. Yes. It's uh, nice time to... Prepare for the day and unwind from the day. So yes, it, it is. When when I lived in Texas, um, I went to school about forty five minutes away from where we lived. Sometimes it was an hour and a half away, depending on traffic. And that time really was great time of that commute. Now I live like four minutes away from the building, so it's not quite as as transitional yeah. as it was then. But yeah, that commute time, especially the view here, much prettier than Texas. <laughs> yes. So I, that's yeah. great. Well, Loretta, what's something that most people don't know about you? Like in the first five minutes of conversation, something new. Something new. Um, well, having grown up in Madison County, I might just jump off there, uh, kind of in a remote area called Shelton Laurel. Uh, folks might want to, to look up, there's some history there. There was a massacre during the Civil War, but uh, I grew up on a, a small farm there with parents that grew tobacco and our little elementary school had a very small uh, classrooms, very small population of kids that's since been closed and merged with the county, uh, mm. even the elementary schools, but um, it was a wonderful childhood. I bet there's some stories up there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's so great it, stories there. There probably yeah. isn't time for all of them. No, friend, no. no. Yeah. So is that family land? Because your last name's Shelton, right? It is there. It's a beautiful area, beautiful community. Um, there were Sheltons who came down the Appalachian, um, what's now kind of the ridge from Pittsburgh and you know, Scotch Irish and settled the area, lived in trees originally, three brothers, and, you know, their community uh, that's grown up around there that, um, look it up online, even Google. Okay, has okay, about okay. Shelton, Shelton, okay, Shelton, Laurel. Shelton Laurel. Okay, yeah. okay, yeah. So, People Google fabulous. that. Leave, leave, yeah. leave comments down below what you find out. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, well, how did you come to know Jesus? It's probably more of a story that I was blessed to have parents that came mm -hmm. to know Jesus. Um, being transparent, being honest, I was born to 16 and 17 year olds. Uh, mm -hmm. I have since teased my parents a little bit, but it's true that as soon as I got to be old enough to realize how young they were when they were married, 
and when I was born, I compared my birth certificate to their wedding, their marriage certificate, but it was 13 months. So they weren't pregnant. They were just in love. Okay. (laughs) um, When I was in the third grade, I remember the first day we went to church, uh, friends of my parents had been saved and they were going to be baptized. And my parents, um, who would have been in their early 20s at that time, were going to church to to be present for their friend's baptism. And that began began their journey. They um, were saved, became faithful in the church there. And, um, you know, I was very blessed to, you know, have such a distinct memory, but then grew up in the church surrounded by neighbors and friends and family members that were all part of that community. And to this day, one of my greatest joys is, is to go back and visit the church. And um, on most holidays, we try to do that. That's sweet. So the church is still there? Church is still there. It's Carmen wow. Church of God um, mm. in that little community. That's sweet. That's sweet. Did Well, well. T- tell me a little bit about Black Mountain Home for Children and uh, your current area of service and, and, you know, kind of introduce the folks to what the, the organization is. Sure. Uh, Black Mountain Home for Children actually began in 1904. It's been around over 100 years. In 1904, there was um, a Pastor Smith who was part of the Western North Carolina and Asheville Presbytery that was literally riding the mountains of Western North Carolina on a mule looking for opportunities to help folks here and realized there were so many children that had lost their parents, that Mm. parents had died and they had no one to care for them. So um, they started an orphanage in 1904 that was located actually in Haywood County. And a a small cabin, I think six kids started out. There was a local school teacher who agreed to be the house mother and uh, soon outgrew the capacity, the need outgrew the capacity there. So it was moved for a brief period of time to Henderson County on on a farm, a small farm there where they could have more property, more room to help support the kids. Soon outgrew that property. There were so many children in need and um, there were some folks donating this property in 1923 in Black Mountain. And so the ministry has been located in this location now for almost 100 years. Wow. I'm, I'm, I'm curious, do y'all keep up with alum? I, what, what do you call people that grew up there? We, we go back and forth. We do call them alumni sometimes. Okay. Um, former residents is a little bit, it's used occasionally, but Mm -hmm. kind of feel uncomfortable there, uh, because we do consider all those kids who are now adults as part of our family. Yeah. And, you know, many of them come back. We've got a wonderful couple that live in Leicester that probably in their seventies now that met here, both as children, uh, got married, uh, she was a teacher. He worked for the fire department and they, they bring their grandkids out. You know, they still visit so they're part of the ministry, but it has been um, hundreds and, you know, of kids that have grown up here. Wow. 
that's incredible. How did you how did you get involved with the organization? Two years ago, my friend Sarah Thomas worked here then, mm-hmm. and I was actually going to come out and volunteer. Um, it's a wonderful organization. It was a small staff. So I was going to come out and help with some of the year-end fundraising tasks, some of the relationship things. And mm-hmm. when I arrived, she had made arrangements in advance for um, us to meet with the president, Tom Campbell, and talk about the possibility of joining the team. And um, it was just, I've, I've said before that I feel like God just kind of picked me up and said, Hey, I'll put you over here. Um, Did you have any experience in working with children or children's homes or fundraising? I, my experience is in fundraising. Okay. Um, I graduated from high school and went on to live in the Southeast mostly, but not in this area until 1997. I came back and I worked at Marshall College okay. in the fundraising and conferences office there for 15 years. Uh, I worked for NC State in the western part of the state doing uh, relationship management for the donors. Mm-hmm. And then um, most recently before coming here, I worked for a hospice organization. I was their founding director of their foundation. So okay. um, that's. So, yeah. So, so what, what made you say yes to coming on staff there? There's a couple things. One of the blessings of working with organizations that have lots of Christians there, um, there, most of my career, I've been blessed to be in wonderful organizations with wonderful people, mm-hmm. but an opportunity to serve in a ministry uh, that is so committed to the main mission is to glorify God by caring for children and to work for an organization where we pray at staff meetings, where we um, fellowship, have Christian fellowship with one another. And, you know, it's just, it's just a blessing not to mention then to be part of helping children in Western North Carolina. Having been from here, having seen the hardships over the years that many of our families are experiencing. And then now with, a lot of opioids and other stresses that are on families, the need is, it's just unfathomable almost. Yeah. 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 And I would imagine in the ministry that you, you're all are in, you do get to see the, the depth of the need that families and, and children experience right now. And I would imagine, you know, in some ways that has been exponentially increased through the pandemic. Yeah, we uh, got some information, you know, we could tell our referrals, we get kind of keep up with our referrals per month and how many, Mm -hmm. most of the children come to us have been removed from their home by their county court system. Social services is involved. Uh, It's been determined that it's unhealthy or unsafe for them to, to remain with their families of origin, uh, their Mm -hmm. biological families. So, um, we're contacted and right now for the last several months, we've been probably at three times our regular number of referrals. And what's interesting to me about that is um, the 
I'm not sure exactly the American pediatric medical pediatric medical association, whatever they're mm-hmm. called their last in the fall, their statistics uh, are that abuse in school age children has tripled during the mm-hmm. pandemic. So, yeah, you know, it's yeah. not just in Western North Carolina, it's kind of everywhere. Yeah, I, I was listening uh, to a counselor give a talk. Um, um, this was probably right, well, probably about a year ago, a little over a year ago. And she was talking about trauma and she gave a great definition for trauma. And she said, trauma is anything that we don't have someone to nurture us through. Oh, wow. Which I, which I thought, you know, you know, she said, that's why failing a third grade test could be traumatic for a kid if, if their parents are high achievers and have never failed and, you know, and they don't know how to, how to, how to nurture their child through that. And, and she said, the, the problem is we're living in a time that nobody has lived through a pandemic before. And so we're all going through this experience with no one to nurture us through it, at least not through the voice of experience. Right. Yeah. And, 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 and so, factors that create more barriers between people. That's right. That's right. Or, or have been amped up. And so yeah. everybody is doing this. So, so, but to hear that, that, you know, y'all are experiencing three times the amount of referrals. Wow. Yeah. That's a lot. It's so how do y'all, as an, as an organization that takes care of kids, I love that mission statement to glorify God by caring th- or through caring for kids. Um, it's a very simple, but man, very complex mission statement. I would imagine. How do y'all, you know, you get three times the amount of referrals. Y'all still have a fenced in property. Like you've only got so far that you can grow. How do you handle that? Well, thankfully, we we do have 90 acres, so mm-hmm. we, we have a bit of space. We also have a satellite campus in Transylvania County okay. where we serve children. We focus a lot on large sibling groups at that location. But mm-hmm. uh, a few years ago, our board made a conscious decision uh, to follow two primary goals. The first one was to expand our continuum of care so that we could better serve children in need, regardless of their age or stage, as we say it. Okay. So, um, we so, what have, the, so continuum care basically means up until that point, y'all were only doing certain, certain age groups? Yes, yeah, so it was primarily school-aged children at that okay. point. Okay. And so now uh, we can serve children from newborns, um, not too long after I, I arrived, we received, within two weeks, we received three newborns from the hospital um, that had been born with addictions and those kind of things and weren't able to go home with their, their parents. And so all the way up until I'm super excited, on the other end of that spectrum, um, about six months ago, well, we had a young man come to us in his teens mm-hmm. who had some developmental um, challenges. Mm-hmm. And it was determined that he, he can work, he can drive. It takes a lot of support and nurturing, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but he, um, he's very functional, but he's always going to need the support of a family mm. during his life. And so our board voted unanimously to be his family for the rest of his life. So we have since added what we call our lifelong living program. And so we go from newborns 
which are primarily served through community-based foster care families. Right now, we have about 50 families in the community that help us care primarily for the six and under children mm-hmm. that we have. Um, we have our school-based program is located primarily on our campus. Uh, a lot of teens that have been in multiple failed placements that um, aren't really at a place where they want to be in a foster home or large sibling groups that we don't want to break up into three or four different homes or communities. And so we have school-aged children primarily in our cottages on campus. Then across the street, we have developed what we call our independent living program. The, The rate of homelessness, drug addiction, Uh, teen pregnancies for youth in foster care nationwide is scary Mm -hmm. but you know we share with folks if you were in the 10th grade or the 11th grade and thinking that when you turn 18 or you graduate from high school you're going to be on your own you're going to lose your place to live you're going to lose your support you're you're going to be out there there's no way you could focus on you know history and math and science Right. Being homeless like that. So we assure our kids that after they graduate from high school or get a GED, some of them do that, Mm -hmm. um, that they can live. We'll be their family. We have apartments Mm -hmm. and they live in in dorm style apartments and they can go to college. They can go to vocational school. We have an on-campus apprenticeship program. Um, you know, it's just something that we really are committed to not only helping them um, when we technically would consider them children, but we all know that an 18 year old is not ready. No, no. The healthiest 18 year old and the healthiest family is not capable of taking care of themselves. So, so the independent living, yeah, the independent living program is just fabulous for that. And there are um, high school counselors, there are county social workers that uh, become aware of youth that are couch surfing or possibly even homeless or those kind of things that come to us. Um, they're really considered private placements because they're not being placed in our care because of their age. By social services, you know, they are um, not considered, you know, children at that point. And so as young adults, we support them until they, we help them get a car. Um, Our apprenticeship program we have, it's a year long program where they work on soft skills and depending on the track, different educational tracks. And then we have community partners where after a year in the apprenticeship program, they get an internship with a local you know, it might be Ridge, Ridgecrest Conference Center, mm-hmm. Givens is nearby, some of those um, partners that really help us to give them a paid internship. And then after that year, our goal is for them to be able to transition into full-time employment mm-hmm. at a living wage, um, which we know in the Asheville area. That's hard. Hard. But with hard. the roommate, with those, you know, with yeah, support with the, with the structure y'all have just like yeah. parents would do you know yes. like like there's that transition where you're like okay work but here's a little help you know yeah. like yeah yeah 
Yeah. So what what makes you light up in your job? I mean, I've seen you light up a little bit just as we talked about <laughs> certain things. But what 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 brings you the greatest? Um, all of we talked about this a little earlier. There are hard days uh, in everyone's life and everyone's work and every ministry. There are hard days. I am blessed to work at a place that's beautiful, first of all, but I can look out my window and see our community of cottages where our children are served. And not today so much because we still have snow on the ground here, but almost every day after school and all summer long, there are little kids out here that are riding bikes and smiling and giggling and having races and swinging and doing all those things and being, and when, kids. And being kids. And I, I think the most beautiful thing we give kids is the opportunity to have a childhood mm-hmm. because for many of them that has, you know, kind of been stolen. And um, in a chaotic yeah. home, sometimes they have to be the adults. Yes. Very often, especially the older siblings. Mm-hmm. Um, had that experience and just just to see them and you know they've some of them have experienced some pretty tough situations and traumas yeah so it's well you mentioned those bad days what gets you through the bad days just knowing that um their lives being changed that there are um you know not just we work very hard you know sometimes the court system will take kids out of their home and say to mom and dad or mom or dad, sometimes it's grandparents, mm-hmm. Hey, you can do, get your kids back, but you need to do ABC. And we, you know, God called us to care for families. And so we try very hard to not only take care of the kids, but to also co-parent and partner with uh, biological families and help them in every way we can to do the things that they need to do uh, to get their kids back. And yeah. then to be part when it's appropriate and helpful, like some of our house parents and some of our foster care parents, even after the family, the child may return home to the biological family they have visits and they go to the park together and they babysit uh, for the biological parents maybe uh, in the future and just kind of let that kid know that this is not antagonistic. This is uh, something that we're doing out of love to support families and children and that healthy children need healthy families. Mm, Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, thank you. For, for being here. Thank you for, for being part of this. Couple of more questions. Last one is, um, in your own spiritual growth, how have you grown in your faith and trust in Jesus doing this job? Oh, wow. Um, as you can imagine, it's a job in which there are a lot of tears. You know, it, it's just sometimes so sad to know the stories yeah. of our our children, but I think the, the, the growth really comes in that God's love is unconditional and that while for so many of us, you know, none of us had perfect parents, um, none of us had perfect families, that God's ability to, 
to come in and not only let us know we're loved, but that we are worthy of, of love from him and from one another and forgiveness. And um, that that's a ever present unchanging promise that he's made to us that we can um, get up every morning afresh, renewed in his spirit and go forward doing the best we can. Um, yeah. That's great. As, as you look ahead, what do you hope for Black Mountain Home for Children? Well, the second goal that we uh, committed to is to work with our volunteers, with donors, with community partners to become less dependent on government funding. Mm -hmm. There's some major changes at the federal and state level that are reducing funding for, for these programs. And, but God called us, you know, centuries ago to care for orphans and widows. And there wasn't part B of the verse that said, if the government pays you to. That's right. So, um, you know, one of my greatest blessings from from working here, uh, being that I'm involved with building relationships with our, our donors a lot, is how many people, when I say, how did you hear about us? What led you to support the ministry? You know, why us? Time and time again, people say, we prayed about it. God just led us here. We were just, our hearts just, we felt like this was the right place to give our money. And so over time, our goal is to um, make sure that we can do what Christ has called us to do, whether or not there's any funding from the government, not only for the programs, but particularly for a Christian organization to do what we do. Yeah, one of my mentors early on in church planting said, you know, you will never have the the people or the money to do what God has asked you to do. Do it anyway. But anyway. And 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 what happens is for us, we've taken that step of faith and God has brought the people and the money. Yeah. You know, like, like that's and that was kind of what he was saying was like, just keep going, keep going, because God'll yeah. provide. God'll yeah. provide. One of our favorite ministry partners, I was talking to her one day and she said, um, it's a wonderful story. I called to ask her for a specific thing. And she said, Loretta, you won't believe this. I have a check made out to you to to Black Mountain Humber Children on my desk with the amount not filled in. She said, isn't God funny? And then she stopped Mm -hmm. and she said, no, isn't God fun? You know, mm-hmm. so, oh, that's great. Yeah, it is yeah. great. It's he is fun. Jesus he is, is fun. very fun. Yes. 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 Well, if people do want to get in contact with you or if they want to get connected to the ministry and serve or give, um, how would be the best way for them to do that? Well, um, my name's Loretta. You can look up blackmountainhome.org on the internet. That's real easy. Our email, a uh, simple email for everyone is just info at blackmountainhome.org will come straight to me. Uh, call and ask for me. Um, I'd be happy. We, we have stopped our on-campus tours for a few weeks, maybe a few months with situation the way they are with cases. But, um, you know, throughout the year, we try to do a monthly tour of the ministry and of the campus. Uh, we are, uh, I think it's February 19th, we're going to do a, a Zoom like this and do a ministry update and share about some volunteer opportunities. So either 
our, our www.blackmountainhome.org, our Black Mountain Home on Facebook. Um, okay. Keep both those up to date. Great. And, and if, if you are watching this and you're a person that comes to Fellowship Asheville, uh, our relationship and, and support of Black Mountain Home for Children has really just started and it's forming. And so as a staff, we're brainstorming ways to connect that or get that ministry to our church. And so you, you'll, it, it, don't be surprised if you hear more about opportunities uh, to, to help and support Black Mountain Home for Children. Well, Loretta, anything else you'd like to share with our folks? Uh, one thing we didn't mention that folks often ask is how many children we take care of. Mm-hmm. Um, we average about 160 a year. Um, that's wow. just something that comes up in conversation sometimes. So I was. What's the support staff look like for 160 children? Volunteers, paid staff. Yeah. I would imagine that's a crew. Um, we have uh, house parents that live in the cottages. They work seven on, seven off. So they rotate weeks to have refreshment, um, personal refreshment time. And, um, you know, we have a full-time education coordinator because when kids are moved from school to school, often, even if they haven't been moved, they've had difficulty uh, keeping up with their grade level. Uh, Our recreation uh, program is amazing because it's not only good to help kids kind of be able to relax but it's also very therapeutic in building relationships and trust and uh, activities and you know we try to take our kids on vacation and several times we Mm. take them to the beach in the summer and they say it's the first time they've ever seen the ocean and so you know there's uh, when we have caseworkers and social workers you know our finance department to make sure I will mention that the the ministry is free and clear of all debt. Um, Fiscal management is probably the best I've ever seen in any organization. Wow. So all of our buildings are paid for. Uh, We're getting ready to build a new student life center for our apprenticeship program in the spring. And during last year, during COVID, we had over a million dollars donated just to make sure that building got built for that program. Praise the Lord. Yes. That's great. Well, thank you for sharing that. And, 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 and thank you again for your time. We love what God is doing out there and look forward to seeing even more of what he does through Black Mountain it's Home for Children. It's been a joy. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. So uh, if you're watching, feel free to click like and subscribe so you'll get notifications of more of these that come out. Uh, and as always, church, I love you and I love being a church with you and I'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.